Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And hello, Las Vegas. Hope you all are doing well today. This is a Frittle Show on Thursday. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist. Our thanks to those of you tuned in over on the 405media.com as well. Great to have you with us. All right, we're going to hit some headlines here. We're going to talk about some different things. And at the bottom of the hour, we will have Greg Smalley. He's the son of Dr. Gary Smalley. Uh, you probably are familiar with the name. We'll get uh, we'll get him on the show at the bottom of the hour. I think we're going to have a conversation that you will enjoy. He's going to be live. Okay, so uh, director, former director, I should say, of the FBI, James Comey, is set to uh, attend a uh, set to testify. Today, actually right now, if you're listening to the live broadcast, he is headed to his time before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Fox News is basically saying, you know what? Um, Both sides here have things that... They're going to like about this report, and both sides have things that they're not going to like about this report, meaning it feeds to either side's narrative. Fox News says, Curveballs await as fired FBI director set to testify. Senators have had hours to pick apart the first taste of former FBI director James Comey's upcoming testimony, and both sides of the aisle will have plenty to chew on. The seven-page written opening statement released of the head of the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Thursday hearing shows the fired FBI boss affirming prior reports that President Trump once sought his loyalty and help, lifting what he called the cloud of the Russia investigation. Democrats are poised to use those details to accuse Trump of trying to strong-arm the top law enforcement official in the weeks and months before he fired them. Him, rather. At the same time, Comey is expected to stop short of accusing Trump of, of stop short of accusing Trump of obstruction of justice. His written testimony also confirms that he assured Trump he was not personally under investigation. The Republican National Committee and Trump's attorney already have cited this detail as a victory for the president, confirming what he's been saying for months. The president's personal lawyer, Mark Kazowitz, said Trump feels completely and totally vindicated. And without a specific allegation of a crime from Comey, GOP GOP allies are likely to view Comey's testimony as reason to move past the controversy. Further, Comey could take heat for his curious account of Trump's apparent effort in February to get him to lay off former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Comey said in prepared remarks he did not report this to Attorney General Jeff Sessions since they expected him to recuse himself from any Russia-related investigations, though it's unclear how Comey would have known... It's unclear how Comey would have known this. He knew it because he's the head of the FBI. Even I can figure that out. But with so much salacious detail on the table Thursday, both sides may feel emboldened. All right, so let me me make this simple for you. 
Here is what, so so the former director of the FBI has presented a written statement, written testimony uh, to the committee. They have had time to review it. What we have learned from his written testimony is that Donald Trump was not under investigation. However, Donald Trump did ask him to lift the, quote, cloud, unquote, unquote, of the Russia investigation. So if I'm interpreting that, this is how I read it. The media is going crazy saying Donald Trump colluded with Russia, Donald Trump colluded with Russia. The only reason Trump has a chance is because of Russia. Russia is helping Trump steal the election. Trump is is in cahoots with the Russians. The FBI is investigating Trump because he's colluding with Russia. That's what the mainstream media is saying, right? So... President Trump goes to the FBI director and says, hey, everybody thinks you're investigating me. We both know you're not investigating me. So would you help clear up the issue here and just let everybody know that you're not investigating me? So from my perspective, and I don't know because as I mentioned, if you're listening to the live version of this show, his, his, uh, his, his actual testimony before the committee is just beginning now, uh, and I haven't heard what he's going to say. We don't know if there's going to be any bombshells or, or what's going to happen in this actual um, conversation, but based on solely his written testimony, I'm looking at this thing going, okay, can we move on from the Russia thing? Can we move on from the Russia handed Trump a victory or Trump was colluding with Russia issue? Because the FBI director is saying they weren't investigating him. This was not the case. Now we can talk about Michael Flynn and different things with that. But as far as the president himself, it does not seem to be much of an issue, if any issue at all. And we have to take a break because I've got to find a box of tissues here real quick. So give me uh, give me a couple minutes. We'll play a song for you and then we'll be back in just a minute to talk about climate change. Stay with me. All right. The piano guys with Nearer My God to Thee. Okay. Today, you see, this morning I wake up and I'm looking through the headlines to see what we're going to talk about. And what do I stumble upon But the world, mainly U.S. media, rejoicing and extolling the virtue of the state of Hawaii, for they have now signed into law that they will abide by the Paris Accord on climate change, regardless of what the president does. This is is particularly... Uh, remarkable, considering, you know, we all know that Hawaii is obviously synonymous with uh, with pollution and, uh, and, and pumping uh, things into the atmosphere, which it shouldn't be, right? I mean, that's what Hawaii is known for, is all of these major uh, uh, manufacturing plants that are just corrupting our, our environment. No. No, it's not. Not at all. That is not... <laughs> That is not what Hawaii is known for. I mean, kudos, Hawaii. I, I clap for you. Uh, I'd love to visit you someday. But nobody, no one, no one, <laughs> no one sits on their couch and is like, man, if Hawaii could just 
abide by the Paris Accords, man, the world would be such a better place. I mean, if Hawaii could just cut down on that pollution that they've got going on, wow, we would all breathe a little better and sleep a little longer at night. No. Nobody thinks this about Hawaii. And you know why? Because Hawaii is not producing major amounts of pollutants. And I don't, I'm not 100% sure on this one because I didn't actually Google it and I'm not sure if anyone studied it. But if I had to make an educated guess, my guess would be that the most polluting that Hawaii does isn't even Hawaii's fault. It's all of our faults for going to visit them. I'm, I'm again, not 100% sure on this one because I don't know if it's this, this, this study has been done. But my thought would be that we pollute more flying to and from Hawaii because we think it's a cool place to visit, which it is. I'm, I mean, I've never been there, but I've heard this and I've seen pictures and I want to go someday. But we probably have more pollution going on by us Americans and others around the world flying to and from Hawaii than is actually happening in Hawaii itself. So... I, you know, I wasn't going to talk about, I wasn't sure I was going to talk about the Paris Climate Accord because it happened last week and it's getting to be older news. But then when I saw this about Hawaii this morning, I was like, okay, this is just, this is, this is silly. Now, if, <laughs> if California, great bastion of liberal thinking that it is, decides that it wants to adopt the Paris Accord, there is like a, a group of states, I think it's like New York California and one other at this point um, that were were uniting showing a united force against the president or something like that and we're considering doing a similar thing to Hawaii but you know if California wants to do something like this you know California could probably use a little less pollution in the air if we're being real and I don't, you know, if California wants to pass some mandate, okay. But just just remember that you're going to be driving people out of business. People's electric and uh, and various other bills are going to be going up in order to, if you're going to actually maintain the standards of the Paris Climate Accord, that's what's going to happen. So because it's not, you know, already expensive enough to live in L.A. or San Francisco or pretty much anywhere else in California, let's just have people be paying more to live here. That that's the way to grow our economy, California. Yeah. Does <laughs> All right, I got to stop. I'm a little too sarcastic today. So let's talk about the actual Paris Climate Accord for a minute, shall we? And let's begin with the word accord. It's a climate accord. An accord is not a treaty. It's also not a, a thing that we refer to as a bungee that straps down your your boat cover. No. An accord is 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 more like guidelines than actual rules, if you will. The United States is not bound to an accord because it is not a treaty. We were not committed to it to begin with because the Senate never ratified it. So, let's talk about some facts about this. And I think I did touch on this somewhat last week, but 
in case you in case you missed it. We would be spending one hundred trillion dollars on this on the details of this accord. Or the UN rather. Those who agree. But most of that money, the majority of that financial state will be coming from the United States. We have literally pledged billions and billions and billions of dollars. Whereas other countries, the actual largest pollutants on the planet, Russia, China, India, would you like to take a guess at how many dollars they have pledged? Zero dollars. President Trump was right to get us out of this thing. It's ridiculous. We're paying not only for what the world would deem our mistakes, but we're also paying for the entire world. And, and, I'm not going to get into whether or not it's right for us to pay for the entire world today because that would take the whole rest of the show and I don't have time. But, this $100 trillion that we collectively as the world would spend, most of which would come from the United States and countries that are actually doing the most polluting would pay zero, what would this massive amount of money accomplish? Well, it would lower global temperatures by three-tenths of one degree by 2100, which would equate to postponing global the global warming apocalypse by a whopping four years. Four years. We would spend $100 trillion in an effort to postpone whatever cataclysmic catastrophe we think is coming by four years. And not... uh, 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 (sighs) Okay. Now, let's think about this for one second. $100 trillion for four years. Okay. Even if we somehow reach the conclusion that this is a good investment, how you reach said conclusion, I will never understand. But if you get there, then let's think about this. That $100 trillion, once again, is coming from somewhere. The majority, we know, its effect is coming from the United States. Now, if the United States is giving someone else money, the United States has to get said money from somewhere or someone. Would you like to know? where that money would come from. I I can give you a clue. It's going to come from your pocket. Senator Ted Cruz explained it beautifully and in his brief, succinct, uh, intelligent own way on Facebook. He said this when Trump signed the Paris or got us out of rather the Paris Accord. He said this is great news for family budgets, which under the Obama Paris plan would have seen significant increases in costs for utilities and nearly everything powered by fossil fuels, which accounts for 82% of all energy generated in the United States. The Paris Agreement would have destroyed $3 trillion in American GDP and killed 6.5 million industrial sector jobs by 2040, while even EPA's own models conclude that it will have a negligible impact on global temperatures. And it gave Russia and China and India a free pass while hammering American jobs. So, my conclusion regarding the Paris Climate Accord and our withdrawal from it, 
was that this was a good move. Withdrawing from this, this, this arrangement will save our country money, will subsequently save our families and our neighborhoods and our communities money, unless you live in a place like Hawaii or California where they're probably going to do it anyway. But the billions of dollars this accord would have cost U.S. taxpayers, I believe, could be better spent on our veterans, our infrastructure, our law enforcement, and the many life-giving programs we administer worldwide on a daily basis. And by the way, those are actual constitutional federal expenditures, whereas, you know, maybe maybe billions of dollars towards a, a climate change project that may or may not delay some global warming catastrophe by four years is not. You hate the planet! You want our children to die! Actually, no, I, I really don't. I really don't want your children to die, and I'm pretty fond of the planet. Which I, is really quite shocking, I'm sure, since all conservatives just wish the Earth would suffer a Death Star-esque explosion at any moment. Or something like that. Here's the thing, though. The Paris Accord is not a commendable or reasonable solution to any problem. If you think, if you believe that global warming is a legitimate issue that can be resolved by uh, by reducing uh, fossil fuel emissions or whatever else you think is going to save the planet, then what you should be looking at and even if you even if you think that global warming is is taken out of out of perspective and blown out of proportion which is where i stand either way whether you think it's a huge issue or you think okay everybody needs to calm down what we can do is we can look at things like green energy innovation all right study the marcellus shale revolution that we see in the natural gas industry the Mar- Marcellus Shale is already lowering CO2 emissions in states where Marcellus Shale is being utilized, and that will, in the long term, prove more effective than the Paris Accord ever could. Because it has measurable results. So you should be looking at how we can innovate in ways that actually work, like with Marcellus Shale. But then what do we do? What does our media do? The media decries the president for withdrawing from an unconstitutional global accord, which was non-binding and achieves minimal change, while demonizing the U.S. national or natural rather gas industry, which is actually seeing measurable positive results. Now, if that sounds confusing, let me put it this way. Inspiring individuals to innovate, a.k.a. what we see happening with Marcellus Shale, is always more productive than partisan politics, which is what the Paris Accord was. So personally, I look at this and I'm going, thank you, President Trump. Thank you for getting us out of something which we should never have been in any way because the president the president isn't a king. The Paris Accord was not a treaty entered into by the United States. It was not presented to or ratified by the US Senate. 
And see, that's what happens with executive orders, right? One president can sign the U.S. into a situation. He can just forego and, uh, and try to work his way around to get his agenda accomplished by executive order. But then the next president can come in and he can sign the U.S. out of said agreement because we went into it with an executive uh no, with an executive order. So you could you could sign us into it with an executive order. You can sign us out of it with an executive order. This is what I affectionately refer to as the wisdom of the founders. Since a president is not a king and shouldn't be committing the United States to any international accords without congressional consent anyhow. We never had any say in this. Because our representatives in Washington, D.C. never had any say in this. This is what I would dub modern-day taxation without representation. Because it's, it's not like the government just sits in Washington, D.C. printing money and that doesn't cost us anything. No, the money that we spend comes out of our pockets. Whether you realize it or not, it is coming from you. You are paying for this. So when President Obama goes in and commits the United States to billions of dollars without Congress ever having a say, that means that you don't have a say. That means that you're not being represented. That means that you are being taxed without representation. That is why we threw tea in the Boston Harbor. This is exactly what America was founded upon, was people that didn't know what was going on that didn't bother to consult with the individuals who were making the money as to whether or not they were okay with it being spent this way. The colonists weren't upset that they were being taxed. They were upset that they were being taxed and they couldn't say, they didn't have any say over this. So this, this would be completely different if this was a treaty, if this was something that had gone through the Senate, if this was something that we had been represented that we had representation in Washington, D.C., but we had none. And you can say, well, we elected the president. That's true. But each individual state is affected in different ways by things like this and their specific uh, um, manufacturing and their specific utilities and different there's a lot of state specific issues that happen that may not be relevant to you wherever you live but they may be super relevant to north dakota or to florida or to texas or to new york it's different that's why we have representatives because each state is so different all right i have to take a break now we are going to play, uh, what are we going to play? I think we're going to play Mighty to Save. Then when we get back, we're going to have Greg Smalley. Greg Smalley is the author of many books. He works for uh, Focus on the Family. He's the vice president of marriage and family formation over there. You probably recognize his dad's name, Gary Smalley. Uh, he's the author of many, many books. Uh, passed away just several years ago. Uh, just an incredible speaker and author. And we're excited to talk with him here in just a few minutes. So while I get him on the line, we're going to let you guys listen to some music. And don't forget, church this Sunday, 9.30 and 11.15. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay with us. And welcome back. You're listening to 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio here at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. We have uh, Dr. Greg Smalley is on the line today. Greg, can you hear me? I can hear you. Greg. All right. Awesome. I always There's always that moment of, oh boy, okay, is he still there? 
I'm so happy that you are still with us. Uh, Greg works over at Focus on the Family. He's the Vice President of Marriage and Family Formation. Uh, he, he develops and oversees initiatives that prepare individuals for marriage, strengthen and nurture existing marriages, and help couples in marital crisis. Greg, it is a real privilege to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, no, it's it's definitely my pleasure. But uh okay, so you're you're following in 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 the family tradition and you you work with marriages and relationships and I I'll put this out there. I'm single at this point in my life, so I'm going to be leaning on you for this one because I I'd have no uh you know, no expertise in this area, but we receive interview opportunities from time to time from Focus on the Family, and I got I got this email saying you could interview Greg Smalley, and I thought <laughs> I can interview Greg Smalley. This is fantastic! And the interview said he can talk about what not to say to engaged couples, and I've thought for a long time about writing a book called What Not to Say to Single Women because it really is amazing the things that people will say and they think that they're being helpful or being funny, but in reality it's often anything but helpful or funny. So when I got that, I thought this is a great topic, especially, you know, we're in June and it's wedding season. So I want to talk with you about that. But before we go there, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you decide to get into uh, the family business, if you will? Yeah, my, you know, just growing up in the home of Gary Smalley, who did this for for many, many years. I think he had about a 40 year ministry for marriages and families and about a year ago, he went to be with the Lord, and so it's just—it's been amazing just being able to to follow in in his footsteps and just passionate about marriage. My wife and I have been married. Uh, her name's Erin for 25 years, so we just celebrated our 25th wow. anniversary. And congratulations! Got, uh, well, thanks. We we've got four kids. Our oldest daughter Taylor just got married, so that was fun. Mm-hmm. I got to uh, walk her down the aisle and then perform the ceremony. So. It was, uh, it, as a matter of fact, my nine-year-old daughter, who was a little bridesmaid, junior bridesmaid, at it, it, one point during the ceremony, is kind of waving at me, trying to get my attention. <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm a little busy. Um, yeah, how can, I, how can I help you? She she mouths the words. So she's mouthing the words, I'm bored. As <laughs> 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 I'm doing the ceremony. So um, I'm not sure if I'll ever be asked to do another wedding ceremony. <laughs> Uh, we, at least we not a, from a, that a, daughter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we've got another daughter who's in college, a son who's in high school, and then our nine-year-old daughter we adopted from China. So that is oh, our okay. that is our family. That's awesome. So, so you're growing up. Your dad obviously is always is doing all this stuff relating to marriage and helping restore families, and he has just this incredible ministry and an impact on. Uh, families all across the country and all around the world, really. So you're just you're growing up in this, and you're going, "This is what I want to do." Or was there a specific point that you felt like God called you to this specific ministry? Yeah, I, actually, all through uh, high school, college, I wanted to be a lawyer, and mm. and so that's what I was studying, heading towards. Um, I ended up um, taking some some graduate courses in count, in counseling. Um, just kind of beef up my, you know, ability to get into a law school and ended up loving it. And so, hmm. so all of a sudden I went from wanting to be a lawyer to going, oh, I love, I love counseling and, and 
especially working with families with couples and kind of did that and so it was it was for many many years whereas my dad would go out and do these big seminars and and we'd always get these people who'd come up and say hey love the love the material can't apply it we're not going to make it can you help Mm -hmm. and so so it kind of started this marriage intensive what we called it like a marriage er for couples in crisis and did that for for many, 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 many years, and then ended up here at, uh, to focus. So yeah, it's some, you know, I, I tell you, for me, it was the, I, the, mo- the, the moment that I felt called to pursue helping marriages stay strong was we, Aaron and I were, you know, married only maybe six, seven years, and our, our, our oldest daughter was five. Well, she was playing one time with this little girl, our our neighbor, whose parents had been through a really tough divorce, and uh, and so they're playing. Well, this the little girl kind of I'll call her Sarah wanders over and kind of was sitting there watching a football game with me, and we you know and so she's ignoring Taylor, kind of hanging out with me watching football, and after the game was over, she looked at me and said, "Hey, would it be okay if now this is a five-year-old?" She said, "Would it be okay if maybe." next week and I come over and you and me, we could watch another football game together. Mm. And I could, pre- and she said, I could pretend that you're my daddy because my daddy left and I mm. know it's my fault. Oh, and, and I mean, as you could imagine, just broke my heart. And, yeah. and, and that was, that was a pivotal moment for me going, man, I know there's other little Sarah's out there and I'm, yeah. I don't want to see them go through what she's going through. And so God, how can I help? And, and uh, so it's been a privilege, and our journey has led us here to focus and love being a part of what Focus is doing to strengthen families and especially marriage. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that, if if you if you don't mind. Let's talk about strengthening yeah. marriage by strengthening the very beginning. So we have all these couples that are engaged. It's June weddings, and uh, you know we're we're hanging out, we're going to bridal showers and whatever else, and and then somebody. Somebody feels they need to to share some wisdom or some not as wise <laughs> comments. What are some things that we shouldn't be saying to engaged couples that we are interacting with uh, in the next well forever, but <laughs> this summer? Yeah. Well, we should never say. You know, this really this idea came from my assistant is is about to get married, and then. Uh, one of the gals from our PR team is, is newly engaged. So we were just sitting there waiting for a meeting to start, and we had some time, and I asked them both. I said, hey, I'm curious, do people ever say, like, really odd things or weird <laughs> things to you, you know, once they congratulate you? And, I mean, you'd think that I had thrown cold water on them. They both kind of shot up and went, yes! And it was so interesting to hear them kind of trade one-liners. You know, like, you know, again, people start off, you know, congratulations, that's great. But then they, it's it's like, it's like they feel some sort of responsibility to take this young, engaged couple from that starry-eyed, idealistic, you know, everything's amazing to reality. And they'll say things like, you know, well, you know, remember, mar- marriage is, is really hard work. Um, you know, things will probably change after you get married. Um, you know, the first year is really, really hard. You've got to be really careful and, you know, diligent. One, one, one of the gals, she said, yeah, if someone said, like, they're just joking, but said, you know, how many days to your funeral? <laughs> and, you know, I, I know. This is and, terrible. I, I, mean, do a, I know. Do a simple web search, 
and, and, and you'll see these subtle digs mm-hmm. at, at marriage, even within our culture. I, I just put, put, type in marriage jokes, and mm. you'll see stuff like I, I saw one that said, I love being married. It's so great to find that one special person you want to annoy for the rest of your life. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard not to laugh at that, but I think it's, it's, it's sending the same message, and it's unfortunate. And so I, I, I started thinking, well, what? You know what? What might be another way? You know, because I get people are well-meaning and, and yeah. they understand the the reality is is marriage is amazing and it does take hard work. I mean, that, that's that's okay. That's not a negative thing. But I don't think that's what our engaged <laughs> couples are, are needing from us. Sure. And and so I, I was so I was sitting with these these two you know newly engaged uh, gals at our office. In in for for me here here's what I love to tell engaged couples. So this this is my favorite analogy. It doesn't work for everybody, but but I love it. And so what what I like to say is this: is that remember back from you know U.S. history, you know from high school, college, studying about Lewis and Clark. Remember they went on this voyage mm-hmm. to explore kind of the whatever Northwest Territory. Well, the, the, the name of their expedition was called the Core of Discovery. And I, I think that is the coolest analogy for marriage because for me, what I love about my marriage is it's the biggest, most grand adventure of my life. Is that my, being married is like going on this expedition, this, this adventure. You know, Aaron and I are are in a canoe together. We're paddling down the river, and the the best part is we don't ever know what's around the next bend. We don't know what's around the corners. Is it going to be rapids? Be hostile? Is it going to be some bear ready to attack? Is it going to be calm water? Are we going to be able to play around, jump off the bluffs? I mean, what what I love is that that marriage as an adventure includes all of that. It includes the 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 amazing times where we're laying out. You know, looking at the stars, it includes the the rapids, and and you never know, and and yet what I do know is that that Aaron is is what was you know 25 years ago my choice to, to to journey through life together, and 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 I love that, and and as I shared that with with these these two um, women here at Focus, it's just so fun to see their 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 eyes light up, because there's there's something. There's something amazing about looking at marriage as as a, as a huge adventure, yeah. It's full of just um, amazing moments, hard times. You know, you you get the privilege of learning how do you canoe, how do you paddle, how do you learn to <laughs> to navigate your little canoe with our four kids right there in 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 the, in the canoe. In 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 it's been every bit of that for me. And so I, instead of discouraging couples, I, I think that's a better way to to lay out the realities of marriage is that that it's 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 an adventure yeah and god has given you this amazing gift and you guys get to to journey together you get the 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 the, the, the to discover life together and discover more about one another you know i i love remember remember journey remember the old group journey yes well they had this <laughs> they had this song don't lie i know you're young and that's where you're like what <laughs> So journey. I mean, I've heard people talk about them. So yeah, okay, there you go. You've seen it on the oldies commercial. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh yeah, those guys. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> There's a song called Faithfully. It's a great song. But one of the lines says that I get the joy of rediscovering you. And, and man, that, that's, that's what's so cool about marriage is that every day I get the joy of rediscovering my wife because she's always changing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fine. We're floating. We're moving forward. We're not just stay, standing still. And, and, and that's the, the, the blessing of marriage. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think that's really very helpful for us as we interact with people who are just about to embark on this adventure, that we remember that it's an adventure and that we encourage them and inspire them instead of um, <laughs> maybe not being as inspirational as we could be. So, but you know, it's going, so we've covered that aspect of it, but it's going to happen, right? There's going to be people that come along and say things that are not exactly helpful and you know it's happened to me but in a different way because like I said I'm I'm single so I'll have people that'll say things like oh is it because you don't like children is that why you're still single and I'm like um part of me just wants to smack them in the face if we're being honest the other part of me is like yes give you permission yeah it's like no that's exactly it that's exactly yes I just hate children that's why so (laughs) anyway so people (laughs) will say things perfectly Yeah. yeah People will say things that are, you know, insensitive, and they're they're trying to be helpful, and they're trying to help figure out your problem if they think that's what it is or whatever, so they can help fix it, or give you advice. But so when people come along and they say things like, you know, well, it's how many days till your funeral? What's the yeah. best way for a, a person that's in that situation? How does that person respond? So we talked about how yeah. what we should say instead, but then if you're on the receiving end of it, how do you how do you respond properly to that? Obviously, you know, smacking in the face is, is our first inclination, but if we're gonna avoid yeah. if we're gonna avoid that yeah. one. Um, it's good because that usually ends up in you know lawsuits and trouble. Right. And, right. You know, I I would say this. I, I I two things. One, I think you have to remember. So whatever someone says, remember. Your marriage is going to be what you make it. Mm. I don't care what happened to your parents. I don't care what's going on in our culture. You have full control of how your marriage is going to be. And so I get that marriage can be tough for that first year for a lot of couples. Aaron and I struggled early on. But but do get training. Do, do premarital education. 80% of the couples who do that stay together, who get mm. at least 10 hours. So, the, so in your mind, you don't have to to go along with anything that, that someone says. You remember that, that you're in total control. You're going to make it how you want it to be. I would ask them this, though. So if someone said that, you know, hey, how many days to your funeral? I, I would shift it and, and say, hey, you know, for, for say something like this. Um, hey, what, what is for you, what, what's, what's one of the best things about being married? Mm-hmm. Or what, what's one of your favorite tips. So if we're going to have a, a great first year, what would be your, your, your best tip? And, yeah. and, and kind of shift that from sort of the, the jokey, funny, negative, you know, connotations to give, give me kind of your best thing. If you're married, what, what's your one thing? Remember, I'm using all these old movie analogies, but the city slickers. Um, that one I'm not even going to pretend to know. No I idea. know. I got to <laughs> rethink my movie analogies here, but but the whole, the, the kind of the joke in that movie was, what's kind of your one thing? What's the secret to, to life? And this guy kept saying it and waited the whole movie to, to unveil it. Same thing. So, so ask your, your, the, these people who are talking to you, what's your one thing? 
if we're gonna if we're gonna have a great marriage, you know, what, what's your best advice? And I, and I think then you're you're one you're you're not getting into this weird awkward like what what do you mean my funeral? Mm-hmm. You know, but instead you're you're honoring them in in legitimately going. I'm gonna make a list of I'm gonna go around and ask. You know the, these married couples that I respect, and and let's let's figure out, let's make our own top ten of of best advice that people have, because I think then you're being proactive. You're not getting, yeah. you know, you're not getting discouraged because people keep going. It's so hard. It's going to be so much work. You're, you're you're staying focused on well, what can we do? So give me your best advice, and then we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's so that's so good. And then you're if you are proactive in that way, you're eliminating the opportunity, or at least lessening the opportunity for it to end up in a uh, how many days until your funeral conversation. If you're the one initiating, saying, "Hey, I want to know this. I want you to help invest in me and help invest in uh, the future that I'm going to have with this individual," then it it changes their perspective as well because now they're thinking, "Oh." I've to, I'm going to help you. I'm going to make this good. I'm going to make this positive. And then it kind of lessens the desire to maybe take a shot at it, <laughs> at putting a yeah. dig in there. So that's that's really good. That's very good. Greg, thank well, you. Because, no, oh, go ahead. No, you're yeah. good. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, because remember that, that 80% of those couples that got at least 10 hours of mm-hmm. premarital training stay together. So, again, how what you choose to do if you're just planning for your wedding you you it's going to be tough versus you know what I, we need to plan our wedding but we've got to plan for the rest of our lives right right a marriage is a ceremony is one day yeah you get to journey together for the rest of your life we have a a, a book called in a dvd program called ready to wed mm-hmm. and i tell you it gives you everything you need to 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 get as prepared and trained as you can. You can't know everything. You don't need to know everything. But there's a, a few things that if you learn those before you walk down the aisle, it's going to help that, that, that first year. And again, then you'll make it a, a great first year. And that, that's, that's what's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. So you have this, and I, I looked it up yesterday. I believe you guys, you and your wife, well, you've written some books individually and you and your wife have written some, but I think you have like well over seven, is it 17 books that you guys have? Somewhere around there, somewhere. my mom's bought most of the copies. Yeah, but somewhere around. There. Yeah, well, my mom, my mom is my most faithful listener to my show. She's listening exactly. right now. So, hey, we need this. Is, I I love that my mom listens. I need her, my mom is my fan club. Other people listen exactly. because my mom tells them to. So it works for me. Um, I love it. <laughs> but where can people find uh, Ready to Wed or any of these other uh, great resources that you have? Yeah, if you come to readytowed.com, mm-hmm. it'll give you everything you need. It'll show you the DVDs, the books, all of that. And again, invest into the beginning of your marriage, and that will reap so many benefits. That That is not wasted time. Don't spend all your time planning just for the day. Really prepare for a lifetime together. Yeah, that's so good. And are you on uh, Are you on Facebook or Twitter? Or where can people find you online if they want to get more information about you or or your ministry? Um, yeah, we, we are online. We, we are on Twitter and it's embarrassing to say that offhand, I, I can't even tell you what it is. All right. We All have right. a focus on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but we come, come to focus on the family.com and, uh, we are all over the marriage page. That's pathetic. I need to probably write that. Maybe. 
I know. Man, I'm the one telling you all these old movie references. What That's okay. I just, I just got I'm you not back. Even that old. I just got I you back by Thank bringing you. in my my generation and throwing that millennial thing out there. Oh, what's your Twitter handle? And you're like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I started panicking going, really? I don't know. We have one, but I'm not sure what it is. Some marriage. How about that? All right. All right. I will I will look it up for you, and I will tweet it out so my listeners can find you. So my Twitter is at the Friddle. If anyone wants to go and look over there, I will find where Greg is online and tweet that for you. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, uh, I know awesome. what I'm doing for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> well, Greg, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed speaking with you and appreciate all of your insights and all that you and your family have done for marriage and families and relationships. Uh, you're just a, a huge blessing, and thank you for everything that you're doing and what Focus on the Family is doing. If you want to find more uh, from Greg, you can go to it's ready to wed dot, is it dot org or dot com. Okay, so it's readytowed.com or then over, of course, at focusonthefamily.com. You can find uh, his books and different resources as well. So, Greg, thank you very much. I appreciate you being here today. Hey, Crystal, thanks, and thanks for your ministry. Yes, sir. Appreciate it and look forward to the next time. We will definitely have you back soon after you figure out your your Twitter handle. So we'll (laughs) we'll make sure we have that set. All right, we'll talk to you later, Greg. All right. All right, everyone, you're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. We're going to play a song here, and we'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. All right, we are out of time for today. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Be sure to join us on Sunday. Our address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. Our services are at 930 and 1115. If you can't be here in person, you can still stream us online at experienceliberty.com. Check out our video live stream there or on Facebook if you give us a like at Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas. We do a Facebook live stream of our service as well. Hope you have a fantastic day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. It's Friday. That means I'm going to be giving things away And no news, just fun stuff, because it's Friday. So be here. We're going to end with the Ball Brothers, and there is hope. Have a great day, everyone.